Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. Teaching on prosperity. We've got a couple of more weeks to teach on this. Luke chapter 6. I don't want to lose that. Luke chapter 6 real quick. We'll start there. Luke chapter 6. Now, we've looked at a couple of things in understanding, number one, and I think this is an important point if you're going to really adhere to the Word of God when it comes to a revelation of prosperity, and that is this. It is the will of God for you to prosper. Can I get a better amen than that? It is the will of God for you to prosper. Now, uh, uh, religion for years has tried to equate poverty with holiness. Amen? Now think about it. Some of you, some of you were in a, a particular uh, religion in which, you know, the, uh, uh, what would you call it, the ministry of the religion took vows of poverty, which was a lie in the first place. I remember I was never exposed to that type of religion until I began to minister in Ireland a lot. And I found out that you know, they, they, they create these doctrines as different popes come and go. They create these doctrines. And the doctrine of purgatory was designed to enrich the priests. And I didn't realize what the doctrine of purgatory was, but the doctrine of purgatory is that when you die, you go into a limbo. You go into a holding place. And every year on the anniversary of your death, you take an offering to the priest. That belongs to him. And he prays for your loved one to get into heaven. <laughs> Am I, am I telling the truth? Has anybody ever heard of that before? That's the truth. Amen. And I remember a, a priest had died over there in Ireland, and, he, and he, they had a, 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 an obituary, and they talked about uh, that he had left in his bank account, and for, you know, for uh, 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 mathematical purpose or mathematical sake, it was 995,000 uh, uh, Irish pounds, which was about $1.5 million dollars. And he drove a beautiful uh, car and he lived in a palatial home. And I thought to myself, well, how is that a vow of poverty? <laughs> Amen. Well, God doesn't want you impoverished. God wants to bless you, but he wants his blessing to reveal his glory in your life. So he set up a protocol. It's called the kingdom of God or the way God does things. And here's what you'll find out about God. No matter how you try to alter what he does or how he does it, he's not going to do anything your way. Leah said, right, nobody else said anything. Let me try that one again, amen. He's just not going to do anything. It says this in the Bible, I am God, I am the Lord, I change not. So who's going to change? We are. So he has set up this process, this protocol of, of tithing, offering, and giving of alms. Amen. Tithing, offering, giving of alms. And in the Word of God, in the dispensation in which we live... It is not a law or something legal that we have to do. It is a grace that comes upon us that imparts to us the ability to get faith from the Word of God. Now listen, and prosper beyond our ability to earn. Now let me throw that out to you again. Not just to be able to earn a wage, to work a job, to retire, to have, uh, what does the government give you? Uh, Social Security, and then to have a pension from your job or to sell your business or to do whatever you do, uh, but to have something beyond that 
that, that you did not earn or invest into, but God blessed you with. Now, isn't that awesome? That you serve a God that would want to do that. I mean, that is, that is, a, that is an awesome thing that God would want to do that. Amen? Now, Luke, Luke chapter 6. Are you in Luke chapter 6? Go there real quick. Very familiar, familiar portion of Scripture. Let me read in the King James first. Give. Now we talked about tithing last week. Let's talk about what this week? Giving. Everybody say give. Give and it shall come back. And shall, give and it shall be given to you. Now notice this. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. Now notice this though. This is unusual. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Let me read it in the Amplified now. Once you get a full, you know, a full dose of this. Let me find it here. Verse 38. Give, and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and running over, will they pour into the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe and used as a bag. For with the measure that you deal out, with the measure, for with the measure you deal out, with the measure you use when you consider benefits to others, it will be measured back to you. Now remember the Bible was written, anybody remember? 2,000 years ago. So you have to kind of get into your mind a, a, a market. Have you ever been in a, in a market, maybe down in Mexico or Central America? I've been in the markets there in the Middle East. You've got these common markets and you go by and people have fish and people have, they have grain, they have all this. So this, this first of all, this denotes a note of favor. Everybody say favor. In which somebody would come to like a grain dealer and they would, they would pick up the skirt of their, of their robe and they would hold it and the grain dealer would pour grain in, pour grain in, pour grain in. Then he would allow you to shake that down. You ever notice when you shake something down? I have a coin deal that I had the other day and I thought, man, I've almost got that thing full. So I shook it a little bit and now I've got about that much room in it. Shake, shake down. And, and then it says, good measure, uh, press down, shaken together and do what? Running over. Now they didn't do that for everybody. They did that for those that they favored. You know, your, 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 your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your mom or dad, whoever it is that comes. Now you're going to favor them. Uh, let me just say it like this. This will help you. You'll favor your family. When they come to buy from you, you're going to favor your family. You're going to give it back to them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So God gives it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But then he says in King James, will men. So God's got to go, and we've said this, and I've tried to emphasize this. I want to emphasize it even more. God has to go into the world system. He's not a counterfeiter. He's not a, he doesn't steal from someone else to give to you. So he has to begin to work in that world system. And I have, I have rehearsed some things that I've heard Brother Kenneth e. Hagan say about finances, and that is this. He said that the area of finances is the area in which you're going to have to use your authority the most. You're going to have to speak the word. Devil, get your hands off my investment account. Devil, get your hands off my savings account. Devil, get your hands off my income taxes. Devil, get your hand off my job. Devil, get your hands off my, get, get your hand off my business. You've got to continually exercise that authority because God is working within that world system to bring finances into his system. 
and he doesn't counterfeit money, doesn't go on trees. Now we will, uh, uh, the last message on this I'm going to preach is called Miracle Money. Well, we will see in the Word of God that God is very well able to give miracle money. Miracle blessings, amen. The, uh, the woman in uh, Elijah's day, Elijah's day and Elisha's day, uh, Jesus uh, told him to go and, and, and find a, a, a gold coin in a fish's mouth. Well, you know, someone lost a gold coin and a fish found it. Amen. A fish found it and Jesus knew where that fish was, sent somebody, and it paid all their taxes. Amen. Well, thank God for it. But here's the thing. In the midst of all of that, we have learned by the Word of God that we are giving... Unto the Lord, that is our planting of the Word of God that has to do with finances. Remember what we studied last week, the law of Genesis. Every seed reproduces after its own kind, but you have to have a seed. And money is not a seed, the Word is. But when you connect your Word, the Word of God, to your money. Now you got something with an element of life and something in which we see from the very beginning, the book of Genesis, something you can sow. Everybody say sow. We saw that in the book of Genesis when the Bible says Isaac sowed during a famine or a drought and received in that same area a hundredfold. Amen? Now, with that in mind, go all the way over to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, kind of where we left off last week. 2 Corinthians 9... Let me find it in this other translation. Here we go. Verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now notice this. Every man according, and we say man or woman, every man or woman according as he has purposed in his heart so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, we've talked about that, and I guarantee you, this is, a, this is something you'll have to work on to change. Because all of our minds, all of our flesh, every, we're, we're so conditioned to the way world, the world does things, but we're in the process of learning and entering, entering into how God does things. In the world... The joy, the happiness, the ecstasy comes in the receiving. It is natural for all of us. If I said, you know, everybody get ready, get ready. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. No matter what you hear going on, you just keep your head bowed. You keep your eyes closed. And an entourage of people came in and lined up some tables and stacked big old stacks of $100 bills all over that table. And I said, now open your eyes. And everybody opens their eyes. And there's a million dollars of cash stacked on these tables. And I said, come get all you want. Yeah, you're just going to walk through. Praise the Lord. You're going you're gonna to get out of your seat screaming. You're going to run as fast. You're gonna, you're, you'll, you'll push down a lady in front of you. Amen. You'll take your shirt out, women. You'll rip your purse open. You'll, I tell you, you'll, you'll destroy what you have so that you can haul off what's being given to you. 
And man, when you go home with your arm around that $180,000 you have under your arm, you're going to be so... Yeah, I mean, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. But that's the world. That's the world mentality. God says, I want you to be just the opposite. That your opportunity to give or an opportunity to actually sow bountifully or even sparingly just to sow the Word of God through your giving ought to spark something inside of you. And it, what is it that sparks inside of you? The expectancy or the hope that faith becomes the substance of that what I am doing is going to come back into my life, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God's going into this old wicked world system and He's going to start working on money for me. See, people don't like to say it like that, but that's really what's going on. Amen? He is working. Everybody say He's working. I mean, God knows what's coming. God knows what's going to happen with currency, with oil, with energy, with investments. He knows what's going to happen with, the, with silver, with gold, with digital. He knows, what's, he knows what's going to happen in that old nasty system. And He's working right now on the behalf of His church. So when the world is forced to go one direction, the church don't have to go that direction. Amen? Amen? Not only, not only in, in what we do in the church, the finances of the church, because church doesn't have any money unless the people have money. I, I knew some preachers that I, I don't think ever figured that out. I don't, I don't, ever, I don't think they figured it out. No, I remember Pastor John Osteen, he was so wise in some of the things that he did. And he was teaching some of us young preachers on things. He said, here's the thing. He said, you know, everybody wants to come to your church and shear the sheep. They're talking about receiving offerings, taking money. You know, he had a way of putting things. He said, everybody wants to come to your church and shear the sheep. But there's very few people that want to come and do something that helps the wool to grow. Amen. Well, that's the job of the pastors to get the wool to grow. To get you blessed, not just me blessed, but get you blessed. I was driving one time to a meeting. Uh, used to when we, we traveled a lot, we'd only, uh, the first two weeks of December, that second week of December would be our cutoff date, and we wouldn't take any more meetings after that. And we'd pick it up again the second, uh, 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 second Sunday of January. So I was driving to a meeting, and, and, and it was, you know, starting to get you, the, the lights started to go up. You started to see Christmas tree lights. You started to see, you know, Christmas was kind of coming on. And so uh, I heard this guy, and it was funny because I was way out in the country driving. I was picking up some, one of these bounce stations that bounced, and it was from over in Atlanta, Georgia. And this guy was teaching and preaching. Boy, he was coming out, money, 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 money. I got to get money, money. And you need to send in this money, and we got the $25 blessing, we got the $50 blessing, we got the $75 blessing, we got the $100 blessing. And he was talking, and then he said this at the end. He said, Now send in that blessing. Because in about three days, I'm going to take those blessings and I'm going to go be blessed myself. I thought to myself, <laughs> I thought to myself, just put a gun on us, man. He's just trying to rob us, amen. But in the kingdom of God, we're afforded opportunities to do what? To actually do what it says right here in 2 Corinthians 9, to sow, and then we get to make decisions. Whether we're going to sow sparingly, or we're going to sow bountifully. There's been times I've sowed bountifully and received bountifully. There's been times I've sowed sparingly. There's been times when, when I've looked at what I've had and what I had, I had to, I had to kind of hang on to some, hang on to some things and I, I just, well, I'm, just, I'm not going to be able to give what I want. Have you ever noticed how there are times when you want to give more than what you're giving? The want to is there, but the money's not. 
But the next scripture really covers that. Now notice, look at the next scripture. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Now wait a second, Pastor. You know, God, there's times when you abound and there's times when you're abased. The guy that wrote that wrote this too. I said, the guy that wrote that wrote this too. And I know there are times when we abound. And I know there are times when we are abased. But I believe those are the times in which God is forming our character and imparting to us faith to get into a grace in which we begin to have all sufficiency in all things. That means for whatever the need is, you're able to rise up and be the person that meets that need. As you've sown bountifully, you reap bountifully and reap bountifully and sow bountifully and reap bountifully. Now, I, this, is, this, is, this is powerful if we'll just listen to this and hear it. It says God is able to make what? Some grace or just financial grace? You may, you, may need great, you may need some grace. You say, what is grace? Grace is God's ability working on your behalf. Before you were saved, it was unmerited, unmerited favor. But now that you are saved, it is your faith that releases proportions of grace into your life to take care of you, to protect you, to empower you financially. And the Bible says God is able to make all grace. Now, I... I I know a lot of people, they'll go right past this and not even say anything because they're afraid people will mistake what they say. But you need to listen carefully. You may need healing grace. Well, you can't buy a miracle. I agree, but you can sow toward grace. I said, you can sow toward grace. When we were with uh, Dr. Oral Roberts, he had a, I don't know what kind of, it was some demonic attack. It pulled him up out of the bed threw him against the wall and shoved him into his bathroom, threw him against the, threw him against the, uh, uh, the toilet so hard that it broke the toilet in a hundred pieces, put a big cut on his head. I don't know if he was having a seizure or what it was, and, and he ended up in the hospital in a coma. And when he woke up, his wife was sitting there. And he told his wife two things. He said, number one, open your Bible and read Psalms 91 over me. He said, secondly, and he named an amount of money. It was all that they had in a particular account. He said, take that, and then he named a ministry. He said, go sow it into that ministry. You know what he was doing? He was sowing in to healing grace. And it wasn't three days later he walked out of that hospital healthy. See, there is a, there is a protocol in the kingdom of God in which God knows when you take your life's earnings, which represent your life, your life effort. I mean, some of you are professionals. You, you went to college to do what you're doing. You have a degree to do what you're doing. Some of you are just daring. You just stepped out and started a business. Others just work a job where you make wages. That's all well and good, but that takes, that takes effort. It also takes education. It also God knows that. You are pouring your life into a living. And when you bring your money to church and you give it, He knows that is part of their life. They are giving their life to me. So I want to take... A and enhance what they're giving by, number one, adding my word that will give life to their giving and then giving them a grace in their giving as they come hilariously and joyfully knowing that what they sow is going to come back to them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
Why don't we see more breakthroughs financially? We're not believing on that level. You need to dare to do it. And many times what robs us is the time factor. Well, I, I sowed a big offering, Brother Rusty, and I, and, and I ain't got anything back yet. You need to get your eyes off of that. And you need to believe God and stand in faith that I have a grace on me to weather the time factor so that I can get to the place where God is going to pour out abundantly upon me. I've seen so many people pull up their financial seed and just leave offended. Uh, for years. For years. And then other people, when, the, when God does bless, because God's faithful, He even knows if you'll mess it up. I was in an office with a pastor one time, two, two different families. They didn't come in together. They came in separately, one than another. The church was in a building program. They basically pledged to pay off the church, to pay off the building program, to do it by cash. The pastor humbly prayed. He didn't put any demand upon them whatsoever. Both of them, God answered the prayer. Both families, God answered the prayer. And as soon as God answered the prayer, they both left the church. Gone. See, money carries a power with it. And God wants you to be able to handle much more than you can earn for yourself, but He doesn't want what you believe Him for to become God to you. So sometimes it takes a little time for Him to get your character right. Amen? Now, how's my time? Got a couple of minutes. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, everybody say bread for my food, that's your needs, and multiply your seed sown. God has the ability to multiply that which you sow in such a way that in the natural, let's just do it like this. Say in the natural, you got a corn seed, you plant it, it produces a corn plant, and that plant produces six ears of corn. Amen. It's not hard to imagine that. But when you sow a God seed, a God seed, that goes into the ground, and instead of producing six ears of corn, it produces 600. You say, no, wait, 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 wait. There's no stalk that can produce 600. Sure there can. Sure there is. God has one. God has one. Amen? And that's literally what he's saying is when, I, when you sow your seed of your finances, when you sow that, I'm going to take what you sow and I'm not just going to, it's not going to be an addition process where I add six ears of corn to the stalk. I'm going to multiply it. That's that supernatural increase. Now, I, wanna, I wanted to end with this. Go to Romans. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 8 real quick. Because I could go on and on and on. We could talk about giving. Most of y'all have heard this. Most of you know this. But I wanted to come from another angle this morning that may help you understand something about how big this giving thing is to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see that? 
Now, go to Hebrews real quick. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, we're foreseeing we're also accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the, now notice this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, these two scriptures, Romans 8.32, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This shows us the giver. Everybody say the giver. And the gift. Everybody say giver. And the gift. So God, the Bible says, He did what? He spared not His own Son. How valuable of a gift was that? It was the most valuable. Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus, by him all things find their existence. By him all things consist. What's at stake? Our eternal destiny. Our eternal destiny. You know, I don't think that many of us, this has ever dawned on us because we're, we're born onto this earth, we grow up, we get caught up in the, just the everyday routine of living life. But do you know how valuable it is, just the fact that you exist See, that, that's one thing the devil does. He's always tried to devalue life. That's why he loves war. That's why he loves pestilence. That's why he loves pandemics. That's why he loves all the drama and stuff that causes so much death. Because he doesn't value the existence of humanity. But you should value your own existence. Hey, I get to be here. I get to exist. I'm not some nothingness out there somewhere. I exist upon this planet. I am valuable to God. His life is in me. Now here's the thing, here's God and he needs to redeem his creation because his creation fell from the garden, a place of not only eternal life but life all around them fell into a place of death. I mean the first murder we saw was between two brothers. Amen. But also the first act of faith we saw was an offering where Abel gave a more excellent sacrifice. God offered up animals in order to clothe His creation, Adam and the woman. But when it came to redeeming all of humanity, He had to find a gift worthy of the, worthy of the sacrifice. And the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 talks about how Jesus gave up His deity. Gave it up. How do you give up deity? He came down and was made in the likeness of men and became obedient even to the death of the cross. The death of the cross was the act of the gift. Whew. Oh, if you get this, you'll, you'll look at giving a lot differently. And so the response of the Lord Jesus Christ being given as a sacrificial lamb, the Bible said He did it for the joy that was set before Him. Where was His faith? His faith was in the giver. He said, now what do you mean for the joy that was set before him? You are his joy. Every person from the time that he breathed on the disciples in John chapter 20 and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, to the person that may have got saved watching a television broadcast yesterday or at a crusade in Africa yesterday, every person that's been born again since Jesus rose from the dead is the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
What kind of return did God give on, get on his gift? He got us. Somebody said, well, that ain't no good deal. Yes, it is. We're his creation. We're his children. He brought us back. He, 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 he literally, through however the laws of deity operate, we left God's family and became a family of our own, the human family, isolated upon this planet, subject to the attack of the devil, subject to our own passions on the inside of us that are motivated by iniquity, which is the desire to sin. And the Bible says that God, we got to a point where God said, I got to wipe them out. He repented for ever making us. But he found someone in Noah. And he preserved the human race. And then Jesus came to the earth. And instead of just the human family isolated on the earth, now we're God's family who God has given a covenant and downloaded into us all of the attributes of redemption from salvation to healing to prosperity to joy to peace to righteousness to, to a little piece of heaven here on earth to go to heaven in. And it all happened through giving. Now let me close with this. My time's up. Think of the devil. And this, this bears out his activity through history. What has he always tried to do? He has always tried to build a violent society of people. Bent on world domination. I mean, the, 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 the Romans... The Babylonians, the Assyrians. Uh, you come back, come into the uh, 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 into modern times. Uh, you have uh, England with their conquest of the world. You had the Third Reich of Germany trying to do the same thing. You have all the and, and notice there's so much death involved. Uh, so many peoples were conquered. All this went on. You know why the devil has always done that? He's always done that. Why? Because he expects God. That's what he expects God to do to him. God's going to raise up this big army, this big military force is going to come and destroy everything on the devil. So what did God do? And even when Jesus was alive and was doing signs, wonders, and miracles, they, they celebrated, Hosanna, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. They thought they were ushering in a new king to rule Israel. But in reality, he was the gift given to save us. And everything that God has accomplished, and you think all the way back to resur from, from, from when the, the, the tomb was empty, resurrection, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Everything the devil tried to do to do what? To stop that, the dark ages, all of the, the insurrection, all of the, all of the things, the, you know, when, what, what was it in Spain, the Edict of Spain, they kicked all the Jews out, all that stuff that was going on that was such, so evil. That was the devil trying to snuff out the life that came through the resurrection. But here's the thing. Someone kept praying. Someone was hungrier for God than they were satisfied with religion. And you have men like Martin Luther. You have men like uh, St. Patrick. You ought to go study St. Patrick. See, he was never, he was never, never Catholic. He's not, they, they have him canonized as a Catholic saint. He was a man full of the Holy Ghost that stood up against the occult in the Celtic region of the world over there were Ireland and Scotland and all that. And he, listen, they could not defeat him. He was so powerful. 
And then that translated into our our generation and, and Azusa Street and the great outpourings of God in the 30s and 40s, then what did the devil try? He saw that. He saw the moves of God beginning. He saw the John G. Lakes. He saw the Raymond T. Ritchies. He saw the men of the 20s and 30s that were anointed of God. And he had to raise up an entire world war to try to stop that. Then after that world war, God raised up men like Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, John Osteen, Teal Osborne. R.W. Schambach, all these men of God. What, what are all, God calls all of that what? And he give, gave, he gave gifts. I could go all throughout the word and show you. God gives, he gives gifts, he gives anointing, he gives gifts of the Holy Ghost, he gives salvation, he gives the baptism, he gives healing, he gives and 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 he says, this is my nature for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son and what is his ultimate purpose? He's trying to get his nature in us. So when we resist giving, we are resisting that nature that is growing. And in these last days, I guarantee you, God is going to require of us some sacrificial giving, some bountiful giving. But if we learn to do it with joy, there's going to be a grace come upon us that's going to get us through any pandemic, anything that happens in the government, anything that happens with money, anything that happens, you name the disaster that's looming on the horizon, there is a grace for the church that comes upon us through giving that I guarantee you is going to keep us and not just cause us to survive but thrive in the midst of everything that's going on. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you this morning. We glorify your name, Lord God. Share your heart of giving with us. Let that giving heart, not that we would look forward to the good measure, the pressed down, the shaken together, the running over. No, Lord, that we would joyfully embrace the opportunity to sow bountifully, knowing that every time we sow, the nature of God is getting stronger and coming more alive on the inside of us. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, create in me a clean heart and a right spirit. Help me to look away from all of the foolishness that is trying to come in to the body of Christ over the years as men have tried to enrich themselves through giving and tithing. Free me from any offense so that I might willingly and joyfully give unto my God, reflecting His nature, not just finances, my time, my talents, my heart, my faith, that it might be given in such a way that there is a reproduction in my life of your goodness and grace. Lord, I need grace. Grace for my health. Grace for my finances. Grace for my job or business. Grace for my family. Grace to live in these perilous times. And I thank you, Father, because of my giving, there is a grace coming upon me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Let your word abide rich on the inside of us. Let faith come. Let hope be birthed. And Father, let us look beyond the catastrophe, the financial doom looming on the horizon. 
And let us see the ability of our God to take care of His family as His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for our safety and protection. As we leave today, we claim Psalms 91. Thanking you no evil befalls us, no plague comes to our dwelling place that angels have charge over us. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, as we leave today and as we travel around this area or any other area we have to go, we thank you that on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are the protected and blessed of God. Father, we thank you. You give seed to the sower. You've given us all a resource that produces income in our life. So we thank you, Father, as we pursue that income, that there's no trauma, no terror, no trouble of any kind, no accidents. And Father, even against the pandemics and infections of the day and hour, we stand against that. We stand on the front end declaring we are the healed of God. Thank you that we're protected and blessed. Lord, we also thank you that you've put a, a, a fire in us of evangelism. Let it be stoked. Let it be, let it be kindled in such a way that in the days and weeks and months ahead throughout the summer, when we get into the early fall, thank you that that fire will be burning bright. And we will be blessings to people. We will be a problem to the devil. We will be an answer to someone's prayer. Thank you, Father, as we leave today also. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood empowered by the Word and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.